This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, there are episodes of Defending the Kingdom, and then there's the Raider Week edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with the 10-year National Football League veteran, Barbershop, Shop, Sean Barber. All right, here we go, Raider Week, and really what this means when you look at it in a 60-year context mm-hmm. of the age of the franchises now. Oakland had not only played in the Coliseum all that time, but I mean, both of our memories can flow. Even if you go back to the old AFL days, that late NBC game, Charlie Jones and LD Regattas and Lenny Dawson against the Otis Taylor against Ben Davidson. But even in recent years, what it has been and meant. I don't care if it's Richmond against James Madison, Smith Center against Phillipsburg. To have a rivalry, to play this game with a rivalry, what say you? Man, as as a as a former player that's been in the locker room, um, and to understand how quickly the focus goes from the former week's opponent to Raider Week, um, it, it it was it's it's like the the air was different. Uh, it's like the food tasted better at lunchtime. Uh, the practices got a little bit longer because the coaches wanted to make sure they fine tuned all the details. Uh, the the anticipation and the intensity about practice, the the thud drills got a little bit tougher. We stripped the ball a little bit with a little bit more tenacity to get our guys ready. Everybody just focused in and honed on their honed up their skills a little bit. You, want, you wanted your weapons to be a little sharper going into Raider week every time I had a chance to line up against the Raiders when I was here with the Chiefs. To have a rivalry, though, to play this game with rivalry, any rivalry, to me, is a blessing. We take it for granted. And there's some franchises in the league that really don't have that rivalry, mm-hmm. whether they've been moved around or late coming or they switch divisions, like even Seattle. Seattle's in the AFC at one time in our division. Then they ship them out to go to the NFC West when Houston came into uh, being in 2002. But to me, there's just something to, to have it special. As we, Our first quarter here is on its Raiders week. But to have something like this, to me, makes the experience of being around our Chiefs team mm-hmm. all the more. And in the history of the teams, right, um, the number of players that have been uh, a part of the history of the Kansas City Chiefs that also have been a part of the Raiders. Uh, when you look at some of that, 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 that historic uh, Hall of Fame-level players that have been in each organization and um, the, the battles for, for talent between the Lamar Hunts and then the Al Davises about whether it's a coaching staff, whether it's a scout, a player, the, the, the son of a scout, <laughs> whatever it is, um, it seems like two uh, Wild West uh, gunslingers, guns ablazing, pointing at one another and, and, and thinking who's going to flinch first to make the call. Uh, the Raiders versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, you didn't say it. It's Raider week. And to me, this almost feels like, too, like the Gruden Bowl. And here's why. He's got a young team. I'm mm-hmm. kind of impressed with them. The, what they showed Monday night against the Broncos, they had three first-round draft picks. I mean, they've been trading dudes for picks. Um, so I was impressed with this young team. But somehow, to me, Gruden has got to convince his guys, one, the Chiefs 
aren't that far ahead of us. That's what they're saying inside their fort, I am predicting. Mm-hmm. The second thing here, Barbershop, to look at is the fact that after this game, okay, this is the last year in the Coliseum, but after this game, Gruden and the Raiders do not go back to the Coliseum to play until November the 3rd. They go on the road four out of five weeks. They have a bye week. Their home game, so to speak, is in London. After this game, these dudes are shipping out. <laughs> you talk till, about till like Veterans hey, Day. You talk about defending your home uh, field advantage. Uh, it's kind of like they got to split the season up into two seasons. They have these first two games to get out to a fast start, to make an impact, to make it known, hey, uh, uh, A.B. might not be around, but we're still a team to be reckoned with. Uh, we talk about A.B., you know, it's one of those things where you talk about uh, addition from, dis- from subtraction. How can you add to your team's focus by subtra- subtracting a distraction? And I think that's the uh, final st- straw that uh, led to A.B. having his walking paper- papers there. With He was just such a distraction, uh, practice field, out in social media, on Twitter and Facebook, everything, that the organization, we would be a better team. He is by far, and everybody, one of the top three. You can, I think everybody would say he's a top three wide receiver talent in this league. But also, uh, maybe one of the top three distractions in this league. And when it comes to playing this game, you need everybody tuned in, ready to go. Uh, all systems go. Guns are blazing when it comes time to play um, on Sunday, and I think he just he was causing so much chaos in that organization um, that Coach Gruden said, "Hey, we just got to move on," and move on they did. On, on 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 against the Denver Broncos, we saw a different Raider mentality. We saw an aggressive explosion offense, uh, a quarterback with a fast trigger. We saw a nasty, tenacious defense. Uh, Burfett is letting it be known he's still in the middle. Uh, hard-hitting safety, too bad he's lost for the season. But um, it, they got some character. They got some skilled players and some uh, guys on that defensive side of the ball that's, that's ready for their season to be now. You know those weight vests you wear when you work out? Kind of sometimes you can put on those. That's It's like they took that off. Oh, yeah. That's what it reminds me of when I saw them play. All right, enough about them. We'll get to them a little bit later in the third quarter. We end the first quarter, which was focusing on Raider Week and what it means. Second quarter – Dealing with the Chiefs, and that is week one to week two. You always hear football at every level talk about week one to week two. Who improves? Who makes a great performance a habit? Who makes a good performance great? Who makes an average performance good? When you look at a Sammy Watkins, I mean, that was a great performance, the best in the league by any wide receiver. Now what do you do the next week? A McCole Hardman with uh, the injury to Tyreek Hill, no catches, one target, what do you do the second week? And we can do this with everybody around the team. Yeah. What is there to this week one, week two thing, and how do you make it a habit? I think, man, Frank Clark said it. It's the leadership. It's, it's, it's going out here on the practice field and knowing there's a job to be done uh, and there's a way to do it. You do it every day at practice. With a, a, you demand it from yourself first and foremost, but then you got to demand it from your teammate. you got to demand that everybody comes to this practice field with a goal of getting better and better perfecting their craft uh, so that that defense can come together. Um, I think they, they were happy with the win, but I think a lot of guys was disappointed with the amount of points they gave up to a team that I think they felt that they were dominant. They were much better than Jacksonville's offense, and they don't feel like the scoreboard showcased it. And I like, I like to see that, that, that edge, that little chip on the shoulder still, even after a win, uh, a great showcase in, game in week one, a splash interception to kind of seal things off. But he came out that locker room with, with still an edge. 
uh, no, I'm not satisfied. I'm still hungry um, to go out there and show these guys that, that, what this defense will really look like once we arrive. Biggest positive to me in the Jacksonville game, and can it carry over to Oakland, was this defense showed the propensity to swarm. Yeah. I even had people from who aren't inside the Chiefs fort across the country that watch the game because there's interest now in the Chiefs nationally that said, ooh, your defense looked different because they were swarming to the ball. I want to ask you about that. But then also this front. I'm going to go front to back with this defense. Eight guys played up front. Eight different dudes were rotated in, and when I watched the tape, all eight guys contributed. Those eight front eight, and how much do they contribute to, and is there a swarming mentality to this defense? The, the front eight, I think, got so excited knowing that everybody's going to get a chance to uh, play a part in this. Um, when, when you only got four starters and then you, the other guys know that they get to uh, trickle in every other series and maybe a few snaps here um, uh, would, would get you in at the end of the first quarter and then maybe some – so, you, you know, you, you know the first guy is going to get the – uh, mountain load of the reps, and then you're just going to kind of gas him, or you're going to come in and give him, you know, spell him for a little period of time when he's tired. That, it's hard to be excited about that as a, a number two. But I, I think we, we got we got a starting four, so we got a one, and then we got one A's. We don't have no 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 second string. We got eight ones, and we can mix and match them um, based off of uh, different sets and personalities and different things you want to get done on the field. And every one of the eight has their uh, their strong point, whether it's the size and length of a TK uh, Passano, whether it's the tenacity of a Frank Clark, whether it's the bulldozer mentality of a Derek Nottie, um, the unique unblockability of a Chris Jones. Um, and then we got some new pieces uh, with Okafor and Ogba uh, and, and what they bring to the pass rush um, capability. So this, just as a starting front four, um, you might have to call them a starting front eight. And I love it. And teams don't have that many guys usually. And if they do, they can't rotate them. It takes some skill to rotate them. Then the back seven on defense. And this is where people want to see what's going to happen in the second week. There was tackling. There was good tackling in space. There were the big plays given up. Minshew was – I'll tell you, Jacksonville may have found something with that kid, Mm -hmm. with Minshew. They might have just stumbled into it. But then the big plays given up. Like, got to reduce those this week. And we're going to get to Oakland here in the third quarter. But in the second quarter, with the Chiefs defense, whomever they're against, the back seven this week. Yeah, they got to keep progressing. Like we said, um, um, overall our defense was uh, number one in the league as far as preseason, as far as their tackling rating. You know, PFF, they track everything. <laughs> they track everything. They think distance traveled. They, 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 uh, how much water law. They, they track everything on the field. But they also track uh, um, a tackling rating. And, and, and the Chiefs defense was number one in the preseason. And that just came from a mentality. I think we heard uh, uh, Wilson, uh, one of our linebackers, talk about uh, not only his fumble caused the he, he caused uh, Leonard Fournette to fumble, but just the mentality of a defense now with Coach Bags. And it was more so of a we 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 rally to the ball, we Seahawk tackle, but it's about taking as many steps as possible to close that distance. That in itself will eliminate or minimize missed tackles by infinite amount once a guy leaves his feet he has no control it becomes the offense's guy uh, um, advantage but if you can stay on your feet stay square uh, keep your shoulder pads down and be ready to strike and pounce and then rip at the ball that's why we you know that swarming mentality you never saw any green grass when the Jacksonville Jaguars got caught a ball it was no green grass it was no no way to make guys miss it was always uh, second and third hat on the ball coming uh, within two or three yards 
And with with a mentality of flying to the ball, before the game, people thought that the Chiefs' defense was, was going to be the one that was sucking win and uh, uh, um, had to worry about did we have enough in the tank to, to take the, the environment of being 120 degrees on the turf field. But as the game went along, and with those two uh, first four drives of the game, um, after that point, you just saw the Jacksonville defense just take a turn for the worse, and our defense take a, a turn for the better. That, to me, though, is the genius of Andy Reid. He is a genius more than just X's and O's. He's a, I'd have him train our Olympic team because he knows how to train a team to get them ready. You're 5-0 and on the road in the opening week of a his five, seven years here? I mean, Barbershop, that's crazy. That's way against the trends of the league. All right, we're at halftime here, Raider Week in the uh, Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holtis with you along with Sean Barber. We've got a lot more to come. You're going to want to jump in here in the second half. So grab your orange. You know how it goes. This is quick halftime. In real games, it's 12 minutes. For us, it's one second. Boom, there it is. That's your one second of halftime. Now we get to the third quarter. I'm going to dive a little more into this 2019 uh, edition of the Raiders and how it pertains to the Kansas City Chiefs. And let's stay on the Chiefs defense versus the Raiders offense. Last year, Derek Carr was sacked 51 times. Mm. 51 times. That's like four a game. He got the crud beat out of him. Against Denver, no sacks against him. Why? The ball was coming out fast. Now, when you're the Chiefs' defense and the ball comes out fast, and you got to respect this rookie running back, Josh Jacobs, and the tight end, Waller. But when the ball comes out fast, we're going, dude, get some sacks, get some sacks. Well, the ball's coming out, you know, in two steps. Let's talk about that matchup and how Oakland, to me, has changed their approach to protect Derek Carr. Well, I think they looked at the game last week, and they, and they realized they were going against two premier pass rushers in, in Vaughn Miller. Um, um, and, and, Chubb, and, yeah, Bradley and, and, Chubb. and Bradley Chubb and realized their guys had no had no chance. And even when you watch the film, they 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 might have stayed in front of them for a half second, but it, it was basically a dead out sprint from their stance to the quarterback. But Derek Carr, uh, he took care of business. He got the ball out of his hands. Um, once the ball was snapped and got to him, he got the ball out of his hands and two receivers in, in a record uh, amount of time um, to avoid any quarterback sacks and not really e- even that many pressures. So when you look at a defensive, if a guy's going to get rid of the ball that fast, um, it, it it's a way to play protection with your secondary, covering the receivers. Uh, you you got to get a little bit closer. You can't you can't you can't play six seven yards off if they're running three yard routes. You got to if they're going to throw three four yard slants and and, and out routes, you got to you got to you got to scoot up a little bit. Um, and then also the D line got to be smart. Uh, one of the best guys on our defensive front of doing this is Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. He plays with an amazing amount of vision. Even though he's pass rushing against the offensive lineman, uh, tackle, guard, center, his eyes are always on the quarterback. And when he sees that ball being loaded, he stops pass rushing, he gets himself set into a passing lane, and then he gets those big paws up to uh, create uh, batted balls and uh, knockdown balls. So I would would guess we're going to see a lot of um, delayed blitzes, delayed rushes, uh, guys um, kind of preparing for that ball to come out so fast and getting your body set in a passing lane and getting your hands up. Um, and, and with that, you also have to have a couple guys that are uh, not doing that and are kind of coming off that edge in case he decides to hold it or he, he reloads it um, so that we can get some um, immediate pressure on him. So uh, I think it's, a, it's just a different uh, mentality of, of pass rushing, uh, being aware of the three-step and the quick game. Um, and then when you blitz, realizing they do have – 
Uh, you know, Tyrell Williams is capable of getting behind the defense and making a play. Uh, this new tight end has kind of come from nowhere. Darrell uh, Waller has has shown that he has the propensity to be able to get vertical, and he has some great athleticism. Um, and, and and those guys, they, they've made they made some plays down the field to uh, keep you from getting all eleven guys up in the box. But um, it's just a way of going at it. I think we have to really look at that film, and if that's the uh, format and that's the philosophy of the Raiders' new offense. Uh, we got to do some things a little diff- differently defense to uh, counter it. And another thing that always tell people at camp to watch OLDL because it's footwork, it's punch, it's counterpunch. To me in this game too, because the ball's coming out so fast from the Oakland Raiders, is that who wins that two to four yard battle? Mm. If I'm going to press you and play you tighter, then I've got to get a punch on you. It's my footwork's got to be clean because if I miss the punch or I get a misstep or whatever, and you talk about Tyrell Williams, even if it's a short throw, now he's past me and he's in space against maybe I've got a guy back, maybe I don't if you're mm-hmm. cover zero. And all of a sudden then, now you've got a big problem. So how, it's hand placement, it's hit, move, feet. Um, it's collegiate wrestling to me um, on the outside when, it's, when you're playing at tight coverage in that two- to four-yard range. Yeah, and that's what the corners. I mean, you know, our, our secondary coach Sam Madison has done a great job. I mean, that's that's kind of like his been his game his whole career. Yep, um, a shadow corner guy, long arm, um, um, not 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 always a a guy who's had top end speed, but he's such a veteran about knowing uh, how to be patient with your progression, uh, not having to explode out of your back pedal, uh, but using your hands to reroute and adjust routes and and realizing. Uh, the delivery of the ball where it needs to come, able to get his hands and his eyes back on the quarterback in certain zones. Um, so I'm, I'm sure having his leadership in that DB room is going to pay amazing dividends off on the field uh, come Sunday. Yeah, assign a line attack just because they move guys around. Waller moves around like they move Kelsey, like we move Kelsey around. So that means, uh oh, he's out here. Now what does that mean? Because you got to sit there. I'm a corner now. I'm staring at a tight mm-hmm. end who is outside the numbers <laughs> and he does not motion back inside so to me it's you got your assignment I got to align but then I got to play with an attack mode I can't be thinking too much or I'm also in big trouble yeah a 6-6 six, six tight end lining up out at you know at the numbers um you know it it, it makes you not want to play zone as much right because you, you don't want that 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 matchup against your corners but um, if you start matching up with man with that guy as he gets uh, interior linebackers out, you know, in space way too far out. So it's you got to do a little bit of both. You can't be predictable. You got to be able to play a little man, a little zone, bring some pressure, do everything we've been doing. Um, but this is like you're saying, be on your keys. Know your alignment, know your assignment. Uh, but then when the ball is snapped, uh, you know, everybody has, they say Mike Tyson, everybody has a game plan until that first punch. Um, same thing in football. That, uh, that offensive playbook looks really good until our defense smacks him in the mouth. Uh, and then you have some guys dropping some balls, worrying about being hit, um, and and that's when that aggressive tech, you know, uh, that that aggressiveness that uh, Frank Clark talks about so much, that intimidation factor, um, that sometimes you can't account for that. There is no time clock or no no measurable that that, that, that accounts for uh, that that intimidation factor. And I know that's where he wants to this defense to be uh, numero uno, number one in the league when it comes to intimidating offenses. Still in the third quarter of this edition of Defending the Kingdom, which is Raiders Week uh, edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you along with Sean Barber. We appreciate you. So many people have come back saying, hey, we love to listen to you. You drive us home. We want to listen to the whole thing as we drive around before we go into the garage or whatever. All right, because before we go to the fourth quarter, I want to talk about the Chiefs offense. Patrick Mahomes uh, last week had to play with the 
you know, the ankle. They look, took a look at it. He just gutted it out there. Uh, excited to see what Shady McCoy was able to do along with Damian Williams. Great tag team there. Um, the ability of this offense to absorb the Tyree Kill injury, meaning Coach Reed engineers his offense and engineers his personnel working with Brett Veach. To be, you know, you say next man up, next man up, but that doesn't always mean, hey, barbershop's out, Holtus is in, or vice versa. <laughs> this means a whole bunch of guys can step up for Tyreek Hill. What about Mahomes gutting through the ankle issue last week against Jacksonville and the fact that you saw Shady McCoy and Williams with a nice tag team and then the whole, well, maybe it's next men up for yeah. Tyreek Hill. I like that sound better. I think, I think it's going to take more than one person to replace uh, what Tyreek Hill brings to his offense, um, taking the top off at the end of a defense, the amount of respect, um, eyes from the safety. Uh, safety was almost scared to shade too much away from him because you know he had to be ready to help somebody on a go route at, at any moment from Tyreek Hill. Um, but McCole Harmon, he brings that same top-end speed to the to the game, so um, he can kind of get into that same role of, of causing a little bit of a, a shakiness in, in, uh, in the secondary for the Raiders when it comes to being – uh, just man-to-man. They don't have the fastest secondary. They don't have guys that can really just turn and run. That's where they struggle. Uh, they, they try to replace that with being physical. They want to use physicality to uh, keep you from going vertical, keep you at the line of scrimmage, jam and reroute, um, and then throw your timing off. But we've had guys that, 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 that excel at their release. That's one thing um, I think the Cheetah was underappreciated, undervalued for his, his release um, at times almost unguardable because you couldn't get a hand on him. Um, and then you, re- you refer to the running back position. Um, and we, we had a good core going into the season. We felt great about it, um, uh, so good about it. We, we, able, we was able to let um, Carlos Hyde go to another team and be very productive um, because we were so comfortable with having Darwin Williams and Daryl Williams um, still in the fold. And then we see Shady, Coy, Shady McCoy come into the building and, it's almost like he never missed a step. Nope. Like, like he's been a part of this offense, dreaming about it every day while he was at Buffalo. Can't wait to get back to Andy Land uh, so I can get that one-step cut. Um, you know, he's, he's always had that deadly uh, one-two-step and plant, and uh, he, he used it early and often, uh, over 80 yards on, uh, you know, an average of eight, eight yards a carry um, on, on a number of carries, man, and, and showing that he still has – a lot left in the tank. Um, it's a lot to be very excited about uh, when you go position to position with this offense. Yeah, for Shady, it's almost like getting a custom car. Like you're thinking, well, what's he got left? Oh, wait a minute. That's like getting like going to the custom car show. Like it's a older model, but man, it's better than anything you could buy new. Mm. That's what I'm getting from Shady McCoy. And the other thing is, I said it's like getting a brand new power tool. People give me a hard time about saying, put the hammer down. Hey, I mean it when I say it, and that dude is a hammer. I'm telling you, it is good to have Shady in Andy land, as you say. Now let's move to the fourth quarter of this Raiders Week edition of Defending the Kingdom, and it has to deal with what could be the last trip to the Coliseum. As soon as I say last trip to the Coliseum, somebody would say, well, wait a minute. Oakland could win the division. You could be a wild card and have to go back there. Okay, I get it, but let's just say there's a – high probability that this is the last game to go into the Coliseum. And to me, there's a bunch of things in play here historically, but it is a little bit weird thinking this is going to be it for that place. I mean, as a guy who played with Kansas City, man, you definitely want to leave that uh, that arena for the last time on a great note. You want want to be able to walk out with your head held high 
uh, knowing you gave your best effort, but also with a victory. You wanted, you wanted to let it be known that, hey, man, this, this team has been dominated. We, we, we dominated the Raiders even when I was here in 03, 04, and 05. Um, somehow, some way in the fourth quarter, they found a way to lose the game. Um, or we just found a way to embarrass them the entire, <laughs> the entire 60 minutes. But either way, we knew we was going to walk out of that, uh, that fight with the L. I mean, with the, with the win and giving them the L um, at the end of the day. So um, I think most of the players, you know, like we said, we, we had some new guys to the kingdom. Um, but I think it's, it's important that they know and learn uh, the history of this Raider-Chiefs rivalry so that they know the importance of ending this, uh, uh, this last trip uh, to the Coliseum on a very, very um, um, high note and a deafening win for Chiefs kingdom. Couple things here, and I remember that that, you know, that field sets below sea level. So I remember the O two game where there's a monsoon. That's they got us in that one. But I also remember there was sewage coming up from the bottom of the field. <laughs> and our guys talking about it. Eric Hicks. I remember, I mean, where guys are getting like hepatitis shots or something after the game. That was pretty crazy. Um, and then last year, you know, the the bathroom backed up. But that's a whole that's a whole nother matter. What is a practical matter in this game to me though, and the coach talked about it earlier in the week, and I'll ask him right before uh the game do we do our uh, pregame on the radio network. And that is the playing surface. Yeah. Okay, even if it's sun shining in this game, that there's a slick surface to it because it just sets below sea level. Yeah. The other thing is Tom Melvin is the tight ends coach of the uh, Chiefs. Well, his cousin is the manager of the Oakland A's. I saw Tom earlier this week, and I said, I'm mad at your guy because I said the A's should be out of it by now, and let's just seed that thing to grass, and A's play on the road the rest of the time. He said, no, the A's are mad at us because we're tearing up their infield. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you look at it and think about it, this is very unique. Mike Shikaini, you know, we, we know Mike, VP uh, for the Chiefs, brought up something. This could be the last game in the NFL ever played on a Major League Baseball field. Yeah. And they all used – I mean, almost used to be Giants played at Yankee Stadium. The Bears played at Wrigley yeah. Field. 49ers. 49ers played at, at uh, Kezar Stadium or whatever, at Candlestick Park. And uh, now all of a sudden, I mean, to play in the Coliseum on this surface is something more than just some nostalgic look back. Yeah, you got to get – I mean, it's something you got to pregame. You, you, you walk the field. You know the, the, the trigger points. You know the, the, the traps and where it goes from grass to sand, sand to grass. And you, you, you lay out – all right, if I'm in this position of the field, I got to be ready when I'm backpedaling, transitioning from my backpedal to plant to make sure that, you know, half my studs in grass, half them in dirt. Uh, you always got to keep your, they, they say, you keep your feet under your shoulders. You, you got to keep your footwork within the framework of your shoulders or you'll end up slipping and falling. And we know in defense, man, one slip and fall, we, we seen when, when we did the Jags for last week, one slip and fall missed tackle leads to a receiver um, having a, a, a career record game with, with, with how Sammy Watkins handled the um, Jaguars. But, but this stadium is, it, it is a classic. It's, it's, a, it's, it's going back to the Roman era, the Coliseum, um, against all odds. Um, all, all, you know, all, all of that is, 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 being, is being brung up, and it, it will be seen as a clash of the Titans. Um, um, and and, and the, the Raiders versus the Chiefs um, is for the ages. It, it's, it's, it's two great story franchises that have so much history um, so many passionate fans, and let's, we didn't even we. That's a whole another show talking about some stories I got about some of the things okay. I heard from oh, Raiders yeah. fans as we warmed up. And when I talk about a Raiders fan cursing me out, I'm not talking about a grown man or a grown woman. I'm talking about a five year old, seven year old, ten year old little girl who looks like she's the nicest, uh, most innocent thing. And when she opens her mouth and calls me a, 
Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Uh, I'm like, man, I, I, I really realize what the black hole is all about. Uh, Raider Nation. Um, it, it's, it's part of their culture. They, 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 they feed into it. Uh, they love the Dark Vader helmet and the, the skull and crossbones, the spike necklaces. And uh, as a player, I loved it. I, I loved being in that <laughs> atmosphere because uh, I knew at the end of the game when I won it, um, and, and, and it was early fourth quarter, and we're up by 10, and their fans have to walk out because they know that the game is over. They're not going to get the ball back. And I love seeing those same fans. Like, like where, where's all that now? Where all that talk at now? Man, it just takes me back. Man, I get the goosebumps going. It's Raider week. Well, you talk about Roman Coliseum. I think we have Russell Crowe. Uh, if you go back to the movie The Gladiator, Patrick Mahomes is Russell Crowe. He's <laughs> Maximus. Uh, Patrick Maximus Mahomes going to the Coliseum. The other thing I think about, too, is Brandon Flowers with the pick six, putting his foot on the ball and flexing both biceps. And the picture where we counted 21 fans in the mm. stands flipping him off <laughs> as he was doing that in the black hole. 21s. It was bird hunting season. Lots of birds in the stands. We're going to close this way. The fact that Andy Reid's division dominance. Uh, I've done some other. Uh, I brought this up on the minute with Mitch and some other shows. Twenty-one and three is Andy Reid in the last four years in this division. Nobody, no team, has had a better interdivisional record. Those three losses have all been on Thursday nights, including the Coliseum in 2017, where they got seven chances to win it, uh, like the 1972 Soviet versus U.S. basketball game, where nope, not good enough. Let's do it again. Uh, the point is continue division dominance. You saw it with Andy. He actually dominated the NFC East when he was in Philadelphia. Right now he's doing the same with the AFC West. I don't want bullet board material. This isn't bullet board material. It's just fact. But you've got to stay on it. We already have known that Oakland is a worthy enemy. But continue division dominance. Be great, dominate. Simple. Like Frank said, man, we've got, we got a legacy to live up to. Um, um, balls. Shot callers, playmakers. What Frank said, playmakers going to make plays, right? Ballers are expected to ball out. He's a leader. He's a man amongst men, and I, just, I can appreciate him on every, every level of his intensity, his, his manner, his, his mannerisms, his skill level. Um, he brings it all on game day, and I think he's going to lead this defense to um, greater days, and it starts on Sunday. Here's mine, hammer droppers. It's Raiders week. I'm Mitch Holtis. He's Sean Barber. It's Defending the Kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.